Welcome back to another episode of Imposter. Today, we'll be talking about being an introvert versus being an extrovert. And I'm really excited for this conversation as someone who was super introverted throughout my life. And I kind of made a conscious decision to be more extroverted as I got older, because I kind of thought like the loudest person gets gets what they want and gets, and gets heard. So I'm really excited to hear our guest's perspective on this today. Absolutely. So we are super excited to have Jasmine on. She has been working in the tech industry for 20 years now, specifically focusing on delivering quality products to customers. And for a lot of those years, I think about 13 years, she has been building QA teams from the ground up and introducing automation strategies. And most recently, she has been doing this for my team. And we are so, so grateful because it has really, really improved our workload. She is also going to be talking about transitioning from being in a management position back to being in more of an individual contributor role. So Jasmine, we are so excited to have you and ready for you to take it away and fill our listeners in on your background and just bringing us up to where you are today. Yeah. So looking back, I mean, I I can't believe that it's been 20 years and that kind of also coincides with my move from India to the US because I came here originally to do my, my master's and I went to Syracuse University and it was, I didn't have a good time. It was really tough. And I think like a year or year and a half into my college, I decided that I actually wanted to work instead. And, you know, it's been like a steady, what to say, back to back, going to college and just one after the other, there was never a break for me. And I feel like it got to a point where I was like, okay, this is, this is just getting a little bit overwhelming, and I needed to do something different. So I talked to my family, and then we decided, okay, I'm just going to go to Silicon Valley. And back then, it was still like the dot-com boom was still happening, and it was still a thing. So everybody was getting two, three offers. Apparently, that was two, three offers was just the norm. And if you didn't have multiple, then it's something to be frowned upon. So I packed my bags and (laughs) moved there. And I went to a career fair, like there were a couple of those. And I got a couple of uh, interviews, I interviewed and I mean, I always knew it was going to be in tech, there was there was not really any doubts in my mind. And uh, yeah, I ended up finding a job. And the first thing that I got, I took it. I mean, it was in QA. I, I tried to apply for a developer role as well. And this was the first offer that I got. And I just took it. And that was, I think, the beginning of my career. And then I kind of moved around a little bit. I moved from Silicon Valley to Dallas for personal reasons. And then I took up a couple of gigs there. And finally, I ended up, I think like a major, like a big break that I got was when I was hired at Intuit. So I was in the Dallas office and I went in for an interview and it was good. And the the person who hired me decided to take a chance on me. I was, you know, I, I joined as an individual contributor and he decided to give me a manager role and build up like a QA team. And I had no ambitions back in the day. 
Like I just wanted to work. That was it. I I did not have any career plans. Like this is what I want to achieve in so many years. Like this is going to be my salary. I wasn't like ambitious and driven back in the day. It was just one day at a time. I think that was like a turning point for me. Since then, I've been just working in different companies, different industries. Fintech has been my, most of my time was in fintech. And then I went to eHarmony for a little bit. I worked at a beauty startup. And finally, two and a half years ago, I was looking for my next gig. And I saw a QA manager position at Headspace, applied for it. And I was 100% sure I wasn't going to get it. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. I feel like we have the same story about applying to Headspace. (laughs) I was the same way. I mean... Our listeners know the real, our OG listeners know my story, but yeah, it's so funny too. And this is exactly the phrasing I use when I talk about my early career, um, that you just said someone took a chance on me. And I feel like as women, we, we kind of all say that we like, think we, in the beginning, you know, someone has to take a chance and let's go out on a limb, like these kind of like diminishing phrases. And it just occurred to me because I totally say that. And I'm, I feel like men getting their first job, probably never see that, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're here. We kind of started around the same time. So thank goodness. Thank goodness. People took a chance and uh reeled us in. But Jasmine, it's so interesting to me because you say took a chance, but you came into this role with over 10 years of experience already, which in my mind, I feel like you're overqualified. So tell us what your, what your mindset was, what made you feel like it was a gamble for this hire to happen. It's a couple of weird things that happened. I was working, I was doing like a contracting gig in between, like right before Headspace. And I had a manager who would constantly shut me down. And I, while I was like a lead or manager position, wouldn't let me go into any meetings And it was just getting really to a point, just weird. So I was looking for, you know, another opportunity. And that place, there were two QA managers, myself and I had my colleague as well. And we would talk all the time. And the weird thing was both of us were applying, uh, both of us were applying to QA positions. And we were, we would constantly discuss, oh, did you apply there? Did you apply? And we were we were also kind of competing for the same roles. So he told me that he applied to Headspace and he knew somebody here. He used to manage somebody who was already working here. That person knew him so well. And so I kind of assumed he was going to get it because he was so confident. He was like, yeah, I, I, like I did it. And, uh, and I, I remember my experience of coming to Headspace. I was I met with a few people. I was intimidated by a couple of them. And I guess my imposter syndrome was like off the charts. Just with all those experiences really fresh in my mind, I was like, okay, I don't don't know if I did well. I'm doubting myself. I don't know if I'm going to be able to solve all the problems that they were talking about. Unfortunately, I think even for my background, I worked a little bit on mobile but that was not my strongest suite. So I think that was also adding to my hesitation and just my doubt as to whether I was going to get this or not. And 
that's why I was just to- totally surprised. And I remember my colleague had come over one day and said, oh, I didn't, I didn't get into Headspace. I was like, okay, um, I don't think I'm going to get it either. The, the, look at that. The man overconfident thinking he's got it in the bag and you sitting there, you second guessing. I want to circle back to something that you mentioned about having a manager who was probably deploying some not great managerial practices. And like you said, keeping you out of meetings, really probably just making your job much more difficult for you. Since we wanted to you know, frame this episode around being an introvert in technology, how did you advocate for yourself in that position? You know, um, if it was 10 years ago, or, you know, even in the beginning of my career, the early years of my career, I don't think I would have advocated for myself. And it's just with experience, I have learned some things, I have observed certain things, and I've realized, given my personality, if I don't speak up for myself, nobody will, because I noticed nobody around me is speaking up for me. So I'm the only one who can do it. And I was vocal, like we would have stand-ups and I would uh, share my thoughts and opinions. You know, we were, I think we were at loggerheads about a QA process, how it should be. And in my experience, I said, this is how it should be. This is, this is what I believe we should be doing. And he didn't necessarily agree with me. It got to a point where it also felt like harassment to me. And I was shut down in front of people. Okay, I heard you. Let's move on. And I was like, okay, that was not not the way to talk to somebody. And I went to whoever I needed to and reported them. It's unfortunate that nothing came out of it. And I kind of knew nothing was going to come out of it because that entire project, they needed strong technical people. While that person had the skill set, they just didn't have the personality to lead a team and they didn't do anything about it. They just said, okay, and headspace happened. And, and I put all the all my energy into the universe asking for something that is not going to be what I just experienced at this place. And it came at the right time and it was it was a blessing. So frustrating when someone's technical skills just like overshadow all of their terrible qualities because it really makes amazing people leave. It's happened to me. I think it's, I'm sure it's happened to all of us. And it's just, it's just so unfortunate because I don't know any women who just have a terrible personality, but their technical skills, let, let it fly, like let it slide. You know, I feel like it's just such a double standard where we have to like have every box checked especially those softer skills because they're more typically like female traits. And so if you don't have them, it's like that more jarring. It's just so frustrating to be pushed out by horrible behavior like that. Yeah. And it happens way too often. I'm, I'm shocked at how often people get away with the things that they do and how they behave. And it's okay. Nobody really says anything uh, to the point that they're even promoted to C-level. I want to dispel this misconception about what being an introvert really is. I think that a lot of times they are typecast as being these super shy, risk-averse people who 
are antisocial and never advocate for themselves, which is not true because you just told the story of how you advocated for yourselves, but you did it in a way that was less confrontational. So can you help us redefine what that means being an introvert and specifically what it means for you? Yeah, sure. This is definitely a fascinating question. When I first came across the the word introvert, I assumed myself that it was, it meant somebody who is really quiet, who is antisocial. Those are like the two top things that would come to my mind. And I think with time, when I realized more about my personality and how I was showing up at work for other people and what I was hearing from my managers early on, I started to dig in a little bit deeper into what it really truly means. Is is there more to it? Is there some psychology study or something or some sort of a scientific thing behind it? So this is what I was able to figure out about myself. There are certain social situations where it's really hard for me to be my best self. If you throw me in a room full of strangers and ask me to have a good time, it's terrifying. I'm going to have a terrible time. And I will always look for that one person in the room who I can lean on, like a friend or some familiar face, so I can I can feel like, okay, this is not so bad. I look inward for my answers. I rely on myself for energy. I don't look to other people. I need to be in a quiet place in order to to feel recuperated, energized, and kind of get back to my normal full self. And a couple of other things that I can think about is I think before I speak. So that kind of leads to the thing that people may think I'm quiet, I'm reserved. I'm not quick with like, I'm not like quick witted. And, you know, just I take my time when I hear something, like I have to process those things. And then I will formulate the questions. And I'll, and and I think on the downside is I might sometimes do too much of it. So I end up maybe not asking anything. And it's gotten better with time. But you know, those are like some of the qualities, I would say, that define me as an introvert. You mentioned a couple of things about how you think before you speak, like a couple of these qualities that it's it's given you. And I'm wondering about if you've had any challenges with being an introvert or maybe how people have perceived you. Absolutely. I can think of some of the ways and it has affected me negatively is I think in terms of like promotions or being rewarded or recognized. I think one of the downsides that I have realized with time is that I didn't know I was supposed to ask for a promotion. I didn't know I was supposed to go and ask for a reward. I thought if I did the work and I worked on projects that were really high visibility for a big company, uh, not even a startup, and I was directly involved in it. And if I did the work and I was working not only long hours, but also producing results, I would be automatically rewarded. And that never happened. And it took me a long time to realize 
that that's just not how it works. There wasn't a women in tech group back in the day to tell me this is how things work here. This is what you have to do. And it's a little bit of a culture thing as well. We don't advocate a whole lot back in India. That's not something that we're taught. So it's a little bit of a different experience having to go out there and like sell yourself and say like, hey, by the way, this is what I did for the whole year. I deserve this and I would like a promotion. I never did that. I get asked questions during job interviews. Oh, you sound so soft. Uh, can you really talk to developers? How do you how do you talk to them? I don't know if the developers in their company are they uh, mean and rude. I mean, I'm I wouldn't want to work in a place like that. But that's something that comes up. Sometimes I don't address issues head on. I know, like Monica just mentioned, confronting things directly with a person. For me. It's more about having a conversation. If there is a certain behavior, if there was something that I was not okay with, I can have a conversation with you about it. But I didn't do that for a long time for myself. I would just kind of like, okay, it's fine. I'll deal with it. I'm a, I'm a quiet, composed person. I'm not going to go argue with anybody. Yeah, like those are, those are unfortunately the things that come to my mind. I would say I'm, I'm probably a little louder than you and I still don't want to confront people. So I don't know. I don't know who wants to do that. It's so uncomfortable. I mean, sometimes you kind of, you have to be an asshole to like really want to do that. And sometimes if I'm feeling that way, I can pull it out, but yeah, we're just taught these values of like being humble and not bragging and just kind of flying under the radar. And yeah, your work will, will speak for itself. And it's totally not true. And so many people get, get stuck, you know, in lower positions or just, you know, get stuck in a rut because they can't advance because they're not advocating for themselves. Like I remember an intern one time I was explaining to her, like, you need to tell your manager that you want to work here at the end of your internship. And she was like, oh my God, I didn't even think that I could say that. And I remember being an intern myself, like my very first internship at Disney, just not even at all dressing, addressing what would happen after the internship. Like, like it's like the boogeyman or like, I'm going to like jinx it. Like I'm going to jinx it or something. I don't know. It's so weird, but it's like, you're putting in all this time and then you're not going to talk about it. And you're just going to like sit there and wait. It's like another example of just like making your needs known, which is also a hard thing for a lot of women. And like, having boundaries and just saying like, this is what I expect. It's really tough in the workplace. And we talked about this before a little bit when we've talked about negotiation, the misconception of, I should just be, I should just be grateful for what I have. And I should just be happy to be here and not wanting to seem selfish for asking for more, you know, getting a reputation of being demanding, having lofty expectations. That's something that still resonates with me too, both inside and outside of work. I feel like it's, it's something that has just been so deeply ingrained in, in my personality. I was just going to say on the flip side of that, how do you think being an introvert has helped you? Like if you could change it, would you not be an introvert? Would you just constantly be partying with strangers? <laughs> also, oh, that's what I was going to say. Who the heck likes partying in a room full of strangers? That's my worst nightmare. I would decline that invite. <laughs> I think there are no, I think there are people that do though. I, ah, I really that's do. so crazy. <laughs> yes, yeah, so to answer your question, 
some of these are personal to me. I don't want to say this is just a generalized statement that it applies to all introverts. Some of these may be just purely like me and my personality as well. But like some of the ways I think it has helped me is I'm very independent due to maybe life circumstances or whatever it is. I'm fiercely independent and I've learned to slowly uh, and be a little more wiser about things and ask for help. Even professionally, I think I do it a little better, but personally, I just want to do everything on my own. And I stopped, stopped doing that. And it's uncomfortable for me to ask for help, but now I'm much better at it. I'm also really perceptive because I think before I talk, I tend to listen a lot more. So I absorb things and let it sink in, settle in, and then I will ask questions. Maybe not during a meeting or something, but I'll always like ask questions maybe after. I also really value my relationships, my one-on-one relationships with people, whether at work, whether it's friends. Like I'm a kind of friend you really want in your corner because I'm dependable, reliable. When things are falling apart in your life, I'll be there for you and I'll be like, I'll have your back. And when it comes to like work relationships, with some people, it just clicks. It's hard to really say. It doesn't happen with everyone. When it just clicks, I can be myself. And it's just easy. I don't know how else to describe it. But from there, like things are just better, like working on projects. And when I collaborate with people, it just gets a lot easier to go back and forth and, you know, discuss all these different things. Another weird thing I would say, I pick up on cues, like if I'm in a room with a few people having a presentation or something, and if the dynamic is off, I can pick up on those things. It's not, and I'm not talking about an overtly obvious situation. I'm talking about very subtle body language. I I pick up on those things really easy. When someone's talking to me and they're feeling uncomfortable or something's off, I can tell. I may not be able to tell exactly why, but I know something is off. So those are some of the some of the ways that it's helped me. The introvert superpowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's so true though, because if you spend so much more time listening and absorbing versus reacting, you train yourself to pick up so much more and be so much more perceptive on those cues and that feedback that you're getting from other people. Yeah. It's less about you. You kind of like remove yourself from it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about being an introvert and being a leader because you were a manager for several years. You were a manager when you joined Headspace. What was it like going into a leadership position where you were going to be managing probably people that were at least at one point strangers to you and and having a lot of those personal interactions with them. When I first was offered a manager role, I was like, God, I, I don't think I want to talk to people a whole lot. Like that's what I kept telling myself because I was working as an IC for, for a you know good amount of time and I was just happy doing my thing like I would be told like, do this, do this. And I would just go away. 
and do my work and be done. And I was happy with that life for a long time. So I was a little bit surprised myself when I became a manager and had to talk to people, work on like one-on-ones. And I think I surprised myself, honestly. I wasn't uh, prepared for what it entailed. And as I got deeper into it, I actually relished the relationships that I built at work with my team. And for me, it was like, I would do anything for my team. And like, I don't know, I guess it gave me a sense of purpose. The way I kind of looked at it is the same situation, right? Like throw me in a room full of strangers and I'm going to have a miserable time. But if you throw me in a room full of strangers and give me a purpose and something that is going to motivate me, then it's a totally different scenario. And I'll probably be completely okay with that. And I think those things kind of played well for me is is because the time and effort I put into my one-on-one relationships with my with my team. How does it feel now to kind of transition away from that into more of the IC role where you're not, it's kind of less about those relationships? It was a rough transition when I was going through it because at one point my plate was full of things to do. Not that it isn't now, but I had meetings back to back. I was talking to all kinds of people across all different groups. It went from that to just focusing all of a sudden and overnight on just one project. And so all the meetings disappeared, all the collaboration with all of these different people disappeared. And I was suddenly like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. It feels really uncomfortable. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. And I had to kind of sit in that space for some time and let myself be like, okay, it's it's okay. It's okay to go through all of these emotions. I kind of resisted going, becoming an IC2 for some time. But at, at one point, it was clear to me why I wanted to do it. And when that fell into place, I was like, it's fine. You're doing it for a bigger cause. It's it's all good. Just go with it. And with time, I was able to completely let go. And it, just, it took like a few weeks. I think on the other side, I'm learning a lot. And I'm doing things that I hadn't done before. And it's giving me more confidence. And I think it's going to definitely help me and my you know, me constantly like doubting myself. Yeah. I was just, I was just going to say, did imposter syndrome play a, a role in that kind of doubt at all? And that hard time transitioning, because when you're an IC individual contributor, like you are in, in charge of producing work. Like you can't really hide behind meetings and, oh, I was meeting and I was doing this and I was doing a presentation. It's like, where's your work? Like <laughs> you have to produce something. So I imagine it, I mean, it's such a shift And then you're all of a sudden overnight responsible for producing stuff. So um, I want to hear about that. Okay. That was, that's a really good question. And I felt a lot of pressure in the beginning. I was like, okay, what is my velocity going to be? What does the timeline look like? What is the expectation? If I don't do this much, am I going to get dinged during my review? That was also something that was playing on my mind heavily. How am I going to be perceived now? And before all of this, I was I was telling myself, oh my God, what did you sign up for? I know you want this, but 
you don't know anything about this. Like this is like just playing on the back of my mind all the time. The first several weeks, I was not sure like where this was going. What really helped is to have a good mentor. I have to give credit to her. She was, you know, she was there all through and she said, no judgment, nothing. There are no stupid questions. Please, like if you need anything, you ask me. And and I think she gave me that space where I just felt safe, you know, safe to ask questions, safe to say anything that was on my mind, safe to fail. If I took a misstep, uh, then I could go and correct it without being judged. And when I was able to get past that first milestone, it was just amazing. I think creating that safe space is so important. This is something that Maya talked about last week, and I feel like it's going to be a recurring theme is just, you know, resigning ourselves to the fact that we're never going to have all of the answers. And it's okay, better even to feel comfortable asking a question, asking all of the questions that we need to, and that we're not expected to know everything all the time. And that's really what teams are for, because you build teams where people bring different strengths and different areas of growth to the table. And everyone has the opportunity to sort of learn from each other. And finding that mentor, like that life raft, that one person that you feel safe with. And I'm sure as you learn to build relationships with your direct reports as a manager, you were able to, you know, leverage that same skill with your mentor and kind of cultivate that place of safety, which is so important. Like if you are operating from a place of feeling threatened, we've talked about this, like every episode, like your brain just does not work. So you cannot do anything. And then even the easiest tax tasks become impossible. And then you're like, what the heck, what is wrong with me? I'm, <laughs> I'm a fraud. What kind of advice Jasmine do you have for people who, um, identify as being an introvert, you know, either in a manager role or, or an IC role, like what, what kind of advice would you offer them? You know, for several years, I have struggled with the fact that people would not only mention that I'm an introvert, but also it was like a negative, there was a negative connotation to it. And I was dinged for it. And for a really long time, I didn't like the person I saw in the mirror. I felt like I was, people were peddling the idea of what was normal. This is not normal. This is what is normal. You should be like this. And I fought that for a really long time. It wasn't until recently I decided this is not obviously working for me, trying to fit into what other people think I should be or I should look like, whatever that is. I was in this place where I felt I was in a standstill. Nothing was moving in my life. I was just, I was doing the same thing every single day. And I couldn't see any growth professionally. Personally, I just felt stuck. At that point in time, what I had taken up was I started doing yoga. My cousin had introduced me to yoga. I took it up seriously because nothing was working for me. Whatever I was doing at work was not working. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody standing up for me. I couldn't figure out how I could stand up for myself. And somehow it helped me with the stress, the anxiety, and 
And I think like the energy that I was bringing to work was also starting to shift and opportunities showed up at that point in time. And that's when I actually moved to LA. The company paid for it. They relocated me. Now that is one aspect. And I'm not going to say that is what everybody should do. You need to find what that thing is for you. Unfortunately, there's no magic pill for it. It could be a mentor. It could be a practice. It could be meditation. It could be running. It could be just whatever that thing is that will work for somebody. And on the other side, managers are supposed to understand different personalities within their team. And they're supposed to flex according to that person's personality. They're not supposed to put everybody into one bucket. Unfortunately, I think some people, they just don't know. They don't know any better So it falls on us to educate them. For example, you have a certain working style. You can share that with your manager. By the way, this is how I work. I may not shout from the rooftops. I may not be super active on public Slack channels. You may not see a ton of emails, but I'm working with everybody in the team. I'm talking to, like, for example, on my Android project, I was talking to almost everybody on the team on a regular basis, but my manager doesn't get to see that and might think, hmm, I don't know, maybe you're not collaborating enough, maybe you're not talking enough. So it's uh, it's up to me to, to make the effort to show them that, hey, by the way, this is how I work, this is how I'm able to do my work, and keep asking. And if if they do bring up these points over and over again, ask them why. Why is it a concern? And get to the bottom of it. I'm not talking about like the superficial answers, like really understand what is their deep concern about you not speaking up or you not being a certain personality type? What is it bringing up for them? And I think if you're able to answer that and then show them how you go about your work, they may have more confidence in what you're doing. I mean, unfortunately, we have to do some of this ourselves. I also had a manager who told me, hey, by the way, if you're not comfortable in certain situations asking questions, you can slack me those uh, questions and I'll ask them for you and I'll make sure that you get credit for it. So there's so many creative ways. There are so many tools that we have today that you can communicate with people and in just many different ways. And I highly encourage people to look into all of these creative ways to figure out what works for you what works for you, your manager, your team, your peers. Have you found any of those new um, tools during quarantine, like working remotely? Have have you discovered any ones that help? You know, the weird thing is I wish I could say that working from home is like my dream come true. It's the opposite. I actually, you know, I mentioned like there are certain so- social situations where I do well. For me, like the face-to-face really helps. Because like this virtual thing is a little bit weird because, you know, I I can, I guess I'm like the kind of person you'll see and I'll smile. And if I'm not on Zoom and in this virtual world, like I rarely will reach out to people that I won't see, you know, if I'm not working with them. Like I, I think like Google Doc works 
Sometimes instead of having like an in-person conversation, you can just have those conversations on a Google Doc. I do have Zoom fatigue. I'm kind of tired of the video thing, honestly. I feel it takes a lot more than just being at work and talking to people. It does because you're like counting down the seconds. Like, oh God, I got to log on to this meeting and like put on a happy face. <laughs> but I love everything you said about all of your suggestions and your journey. And like, it's it's about noticing when you feel something's off or like feeling that stuck kind of feeling, just like knowing you're not where you want to be and then making some change. Like you said, whether it's some kind of mindfulness practice or just just noticing, like it, it just takes that, that one time to say, okay, something's not right. I need to address this. Cause I think so many people can just get stuck in a rut and just keep, like you said, doing the same thing every day on the hamster wheel. And then it's hard to break out of. Yeah. And, and I, I also want to say that it's a never ending process. It's something that you have to work on yourself constantly while it worked for me many years ago, I have to be consistent with, you know, anything like the practice or a routine. And if I stop, it goes back, like all those insecurities start piling up again. And I have to keep working at it constantly to keep them at bay. I think we've talked a lot on this podcast about how we as, as women in engineering feel pressure to be the loudest voice in the room so that hopefully someone hears us at some point, but I love your approach specifically not doing that and finding other avenues to make sure that your voice is heard and that credit is given without having to basically feel pressure to become someone that you're not or, and become someone that you don't want to be, you know, it's one thing to acknowledge I am a shy person and that's something I want to work on. And it's an entirely different thing to say, I am an introvert and I know that is a strength. And here is how I use that and turn that into a superpower. Yeah. And what you said about managers needing to flex to the different personality types on the team, it's so true and not, and not taking what their archetype of an engineer and and imposing it on you and trying to get you toward that. They should be cultivating like your strengths and working with you rather than trying to mold you. Wow. We've cut, I feel like we've gotten so much out of you already, Jasmine. Can we ask you for an imposter and an all-star moment? Yeah, I kind of touched upon it a little bit. That's pretty recent is working on the Android, pro- like working on that project, like the beginning of it. I completely felt like I was a fraud. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't sure if I was going to meet my timelines. It's like my mind was racing in all different directions. And I just wasn't sure what was going to happen, how things were going to end. And when we were finally able to deliver the project on time, it was just the best feeling in the world. And I was so uh, also really happy to work with the Android team and do something that's really bad, that's going to save them a bunch of time. I like made Jasmine present all of this awesome work that they'd done in a Android chapter meeting and everyone was, I feel like she's not even giving herself enough credit because everyone was so excited about, and this was only when I think the project was, was halfway done because we didn't have all the automation hooks fully integrated yet. 
And still it was something that we had, had been a thorn in our side for so long and just speeding up that part of the process for us was so, so, so valuable. Ooh. So there's, so there's your all-star moment too. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. Taylor, do you want to, do you want to drop your moments? Sure. I was browsing LinkedIn at some point last week as one does. And I, I just came across a post of someone I don't know, um, who works at Snapchat, I think. And who I don't even follow. Like, I don't know this person at all. And it was a post like congratulating headspace on their latest changes to the app. And it was literally a screenshot of the stuff that we've been working on, like that my team did. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And I literally commented on it. Like great to like be casually browsing LinkedIn and see my work, like at, you know, everyone else that worked on it, (laughs) because of course, like the people mentioned in the post, I forget like our CEO or someone who, you know, obviously is in charge of headspace, but like, I want the credit. So that was kind of a cool moment. Imposter. I mean, Monica, I don't want to steal this from you because I think we were talking about this, but like I'm on call this week and that means that I have to just like be available in case anything goes wrong and know how to look at all these dashboards and release the app to the app store. And these are things that I only do when I'm on call, which is once every 10 weeks, like every time it happens, I'm like, what is this? Like what? And then you just feel so dumb because you're, you're looking at these dashboards. Like, what am I even looking at? What is this release number? Why am I getting like a call every 30 minutes from this weird number about this issue? And it's just like so confusing. And it's just, it's just because it's something that I don't deal with daily, but anytime I have to deal with like dashboards or tools that are like third-party tools that we, that I'm just not that familiar with. I just feel all those like, Oh God, like, I don't know how to read these. Like, what does this mean? I don't know what this like weird symbol. This is not even English. Like, what is it talking about? So those kind of bring me to a dark place, but then I'm like, I don't really care. It's fine. As long as the app is stable. (laughs) Yeah. I'll, I'll second that. That was part of mine too, but also I'm, I'm super excited. So much of the work that Jasmine's actually been doing, I think is to help us unify both of our mobile clients in terms of our release cycles, which is awesome. And I'm super excited for that. And it means that also we'll all be on call less, which is great, but I'm also terrified to also handle the iOS release even though I've been advocating for this for probably over a year, but now we're getting closer and closer. And this little voice in my head is like, oh no, oh no, it's scary. It's new and scary. It'll be fine. And, you know, we'll do, obviously we're not even there yet. And as we get closer, we'll figure out our testing plan and we'll write documentation about it and everyone will get up to speed. And then I'll ask Jasmine probably like the same five questions in different ways over and over again. For an all-star, I'm gonna I'm just gonna bring it up again because we've talked about it now in the past three episodes. So people are probably so tired of hearing it, but I want to bookend it. The panel went really well and we got a lot of positive feedback. And I think also having a little bit of the nerves and, and the jitters helped me stay focused and and clear and you know, keep my attention on formulating answers that were succinct and sort of played up what other people were saying too. And I was just really heartened also by all of the positive feedback this podcast got in that panel as well. Totally. And it led to our most listened to podcast last week, top in the charts. Oh my gosh. 
Oh my gosh. We didn't even mention another all-star moment was that we were number one in the technology category, um, in the podcast store in Bahrain. So go us. So glad we're reaching new heights. Well, Jasmine, thank you so much for being on. Um, this is a topic we haven't really delved too much into. So I'm really glad that you were able to give so many good tips, not only from, you know, the IC side, but also so the manager side. So this episode really has something for everyone. Thank you for having me here. And I wish both of you and your podcast much success. Thank you so much, Jasmine. We appreciate you. Thank you.